Hi, and welcome to another episode of Time Extend. My name is Adam Ismail, and joining me today, as always, is... Brendan Morrison, and, well, Adam, I missed out in the last episode, but I'm glad to be back, because we are going to be discussing a series that people have been longing for, they want us to discuss the best games in the series... We're going to be looking at Burnout, but we're not going to be looking at arguably the best games in the series, and for me that's the most time-extend type approach we can take to such a popular series. Right, so the thing is, like, yeah, we could talk about Burnout 3, Burnout Revenge, Burnout Paradise, probably a little bit about Revenge today, but the thing is, you know, everyone knows those games to be brilliant. Uh, I'm sure Burnout Paradise especially by this point, you've you've probably played on at least three different platforms. So, uh, you know, we all know how those games are. They're great. Uh, but what gets less talked about are the first game. Uh, the second game gets, gets some praise, but especially the first game. I almost forget there was a Burnout one. <laughs> and uh, until recently, I completely forgot about, like, Dominator and... Uh, Brendan, yeah. you put yourself through hell playing the DS port of <laughs> Legends, which is just... You yeah. You always, when we do shows like this, uh, and we go back and we play games and series, you always go for like the worst ones, and I admire I that. Know. I think that there's just something chaotic about bad racing game ports or impossible racing game ports, because more than any other series, you're, you're trying to fit a square peg in a round hole effectively because especially for a series like burnout it's basically based around this like incredible showcase of visuals and speed and and then you're trying to put it on pla- like a platform like the ds <laughs> that does not accommodate for that in the slightest um it just felt as if somebody had to take a look at it and, and as we found out through the twitter there, there's always at least one or two people saying oh man i love playing this back in the day so somebody has to look out for those little guys yeah, and you know, we've talked about like DS racing games before too, especially like Race Driver, Create and Race and, and Grid and all that stuff. And like even the most impressive ones, except for like Mario Kart DS, um, y- you tried to like fool yourself, you Stockholm syndromed yourself into thinking like, oh, this is so impressive on a handheld while like deliberately ignoring <laughs> yeah. that the PSP existed and just trying to think like, you know, look at what it's doing for the system, but like, is it really a good game? Not, not really. Um, but that's no, how it was. No, that's how it was at the time. Yeah, especially because at the time, like, when you think about what the PSP was capable of uh, by comparison to the DS, I would argue we've never really had that level of incredible disparity between consoles. So obviously, like, you could look at like the Wii U versus the PS and that sort of thing but you would still roughly get a similar experience in games just running worse whereas the ds and psp were capable of such different things so they're barely comparable sure i mean the two screen thing for one and even like even comparing the switch and ps5 or series x you know like yeah you're not going to get the visual fidelity of an experience on next gen system or i guess current gen now on the switch but like you know, if what a lot of developers do is they just turn everything down, so you end up with games like WRC 10 that run on Switch, and like, okay, it's not doesn't look good really at all, but like <laughs> it runs. Yeah. You know, it it is the game. It just looks bad. So, uh, yeah, it was an interesting time, and even going back, uh, you know, we can start at the beginning, and and I played like 
I dug into Burnout 1 and 2 on the GameCube because, let's be honest, it was the easiest to emulate, and I don't own either of those games. And, um, you know, there were even some differences uh, between, like, the versions that were released on PS2 and GameCube versus the ones on the Xbox. Uh, in the case of Burnout 2, there was, like, a director's cut that came out later on Xbox, I believe. Um, and those were always, like, the definitive editions. They usually had, like, a little bit more content. Um, which always kind of stood out in games like those because they didn't have a lot. Like you go back to that first burnout and I think when I started playing that game, I texted you and I was like, this feels <laughs> so quaint. It, it feels like a, yeah. it feels like a budget title. And I know that sounds bad. And like, obviously I'm aware, like it released in 2001, you know, they were going for an arcade racing game and like Criterion had made stuff before then, but it wasn't. You know, they, they never made a racing game quite like that. And so I'm sure it was a learning experience and they were really trying to get to the root of what a fun arcade racing experience would be. But as a result of that, like, there's very limited content. There aren't a lot of cars. You know, we're we're talking about time before crash mode. Um, yeah. It's a cute experience, but it does feel like it came... You know, you can see the seeds for what would come later, but it's also the production values are so not there that it also feels like something completely yeah. different. It's a it's a very surreal thing to explain. I think like the original Burnout, it, it's very easy for people who've even played it a lot and the, the, the series entries that would follow. It's very easy to forget it's in the same series in many ways because for me, Burnout, the original game actually has a lot more in common with like coin-op arcade racers and and one of the, the weird parallels I think you can draw is like to Sega Rally 1995 in terms of like being a very concentrated experience of few tracks, few cars, there's a specific gimmick to the gameplay. It's almost incredible that it was a, re a released game in the first place because of that because like you say it's the game's box art and the, the back of the packaging talks about these like exhilarating crashes and exhilarating speed and that sort of thing but when you actually play the game it feels more like a beta for like something else that would come later yeah. and, and i think that's really interesting because when the game was being made it must have been obvious that to create the type of experience they wanted they would require a higher budget they would require a bit more resources that sort of thing but they still went through with it and it makes the original burnout very odd because it almost feels like a released, well, it would be alpha, I guess. It feels like, like a tech demo. Free yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's it. And I know, you, like you were saying, 2001, very early PS2 era, so like maybe you can give it a pass in that regard. But it's not as if like it had a lot of contemporaries with that little content either. So it's yeah. it's so strange. Like the, the fictional cars feel like an afterthought asset flip or something from like uh, an engine library. It almost looks like yeah, something in. you'd like find on like some kind of blender community or something today, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. The tracks are just random highways with maybe a few turns off the beaten track yeah. and um yeah, it almost feels like a tech demo for renderware, I believe it yeah. was. That was the and, back and that really plays into it because like you know, with Criterion it's funny that like the people who you know enjoy racing games like we do listen to the show maybe like we we think of criterion as the people who make burnout and need for speed and obviously having been yeah. part of ea for you know more than 15 years now but like they are responsible for one of the most 
prolific, important middleware products uh, in game development in like the early to mid 2000s. I mean, they made yeah. Burnout, you know, undoubtedly because they wanted to make a racing game like this, but also to showcase what renderware could do. And they're showcasing what their technology is capable of at a time when their technology is also like very early in development. So it's funny how Criterion kind of became known as like these technical wizards that were pushing things like 60 frames per second, these amazing like uh, vehicle deformation crash effects, the post-processing of like the fire coming out of the car when you hit the boost and all that stuff. Like they made yeah. very pretty games, but the first burnout is not one of those games because they were very <laughs> early on in that process. And if you look at the stuff that they made before this, um, Trick Style, which when I was a kid, uh, and I had, and we had a Dreamcast, I played Trick Style, and I loved that game. I thought it was so cool. I, I didn't realize it was a Criterion project until many years later, and that, that kind of blew me away. Um, but yeah, they're they're not, you know, they, they it's almost like they kind of made these sort of simplified almost indie-like experiences to sort of prove what their technology could do. And, uh, you know, fortunate for us, it ended up becoming a very, you know, a very big thing. Yeah, and I think that's what's really interesting about the first game and why it's worth revisiting for people. It might be a quaint experience, but it's it's almost a rare view into the, the life cycle of how a game like Burnout 3 happens, but we actually get to play the first step in getting there because... It's just, it's a, it's a weird game because it's like it's so devoid of personality for the most part. It, the gameplay itself is kind of a, a lesser, less interesting version of what would come later, but it does still feel like for a Burnout fan such as myself and such as yourself as well, Adam, like it's a it's a weird insight into how a project like that starts life and, and when a company wants to achieve something but it has limited resources, it can still actually push out a product that approximates the full-on blockbuster experience it could get to but it's yeah it's very interesting because when you look at the reception at the time as I often do when we're looking at these games I look at what the reception was like when the first game came out it was actually heralded pretty well as a, a nice showcase of what the PS2 was capable of for the reasons we've talked about um, just to call attention to the performance of the game as well like you're talking a very very steady frame rate here um, in the EU it actually had options for 50 hertz and 60 hertz which is not something that you would get in every game over here by any sure, means as yeah. is often clear through the PlayStation Classic being re-released and that sort of thing and the terrible performance of those games the Criterion actually in both Burnout and Burnout 2 offered that ability to change the, the kind of the output TV, which was fantastic, and it's it's a strange game. I don't think it's ever something I'd ever recommend someone from a gameplay perspective of you must play this. Yeah. But I think it's a uh, it's kind of like seeing the pre-cut version of like a Hollywood movie or something <laughs> in terms of like that this is what the rough vision of the director was and this is what they wanted to achieve. For me, that's like what Burnout is from Criteria, and it's a we think this is a great concept. Here's what we're able to get to at this point. Let's ship it out there, get it in people's hands, see how it gets on and take it from there. Because in terms of raw content, as we've described, you're not going to find a lot to keep you busy. Um, I believe modes-wise, you've got obviously races, time trials. Um, the pursuit mode only came into effect for Burnout 2. It was in 2. Yeah, yeah, yeah that so was in 2. You so you didn't even yeah. have... You know, like... 
obviously you would gain boost in all of the ways that you typically would, except except obviously for takedowns because that came much later in the series. But yeah. Um, yeah, you didn't like. You think about all the things that made like say Burnout Three feel really novel is like you had uh, Road Rage, you had. Um, I think Marked Man, I don't know if it was in that game or it might have been Revenge or Come Later, but like, you know, the typical burnout modes, Dominator add a lot. Um, yeah. You know, the Maniac events and stuff like that. It's just all missing from, Crash, of course. It's all yeah. missing from this game. Uh, it's all missing from this game. And like, you know, you can kind of see uh, like Three Fields Entertainment, which is responsible for uh, dangerous driving and so you know they're the team of a lot of ex-criterion burnout developers including fiona sperry who ran the studio and alex ward who uh directed a lot of the burnout games um you know he he says pretty much outright uh they did kind of a retrospective and it's something everybody should read but but he says outright like you know i was inspired by ridge racer by Outrun, Need for Speed on the 3DO was a big one, and particularly the crashes in that game, which I've never played Need for Speed on the 3DO. I've played it on the the 32-bit uh, consoles, uh, the other ones, but um, it was a more realistic experience than a lot of racing games at the time, um, but in as much as like, there was traffic and you could crash into it, and, and that's not something that was necessarily the case, obviously, in like a bridge racer or something else. So... Um, they were really driven by street racing in the context of like a risk reward type thing. Another game that was mentioned uh, as a big influence for uh, for Burnout is one that we've never really talked about before. And to be honest, I I had overlooked for a very long time. But are you familiar with Thrill Drive? I am not. So Thrill Drive uh, is actually a series of racing games, arcade games by Konami. They never left the arcades. They were released in the West, um, at least several of them. They came out between 98 and I think the last one came out in 2007. So it actually ran for a decent amount of time. Um, but they are very, very weird games. Uh, visually, I would say that like the first Thrill, thrill Drive looks a lot like Burnout 1. Right. In that you're driving... Um, very standard road cars on tra uh, in traffic scenarios and stuff like that and trying not to crash. Uh, what's actually crazy about Thrill Drive is that they have un real cars, but they're unlicensed, which is something that, like, if you see the crashes in this game and the way that the game presents it, they would get sued into oblivion. <laughs> um, because, like, wow. it's basically like Burnout, but it's, it's like, horror. Like, they, they want to, like, freak you out. Like, it's just kind of got this very unsettling vibe, and it's almost like a horror porn type thing. Like, they, <laughs> when you when you crash, you will hear the blood-curdling scream of your driver or other people. The driver will fly out of the windshield almost every single time. Um, the crashes look absolutely horrific. The word fatality just, like, flashes <laughs> on the screen Holy in shit. Japanese text. It's, it is heavy. Like, it's really heavy, and I think Burnout's really funny in context of that because while it definitely shares a visual style with that game, yeah. um, it's almost like, what if we can do this but maybe not make people as sad? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that just sounds very yeah. strange, but it, it's it's piqued my interest. Um, I can't say I've oh, ever yeah. seen a cab for it over here. Um, I, I'm sure yeah. they do exist, but maybe 
I've just missed it or been too busy playing Sega Rally a million times. Um, I've never seen it over here, and, and they yeah. released a couple of them, but it's a very strange series too, because it's like, it's almost like they weren't sure, like, is this supposed to like titillate people, or are we <laughs> supposed to be making like a very serious, sobering statement about the importance of road safety? Because like, in the attract mode of the game, it's just repeat cuts of like cars crashing, and it says like after they crash, there's like a huge like didn't, and it says like ignoring red light like flashes on the screen, and then the next one that happens again is like not wearing a seatbelt. Like it is so strange. Uh, it's not a game that like even I really ever paid attention to. I, I think I I'd, I'd seen the name before. I didn't know Konami developed it. Um, but yeah, so just a, a neat little aside as we're talking about Burnout, I wanted to make sure that we recognize Thrill Drive because it, it is so strange. I, I, I'm very intrigued. Now, just when you were describing like those uh, the, the videos and stuff, it just made me think of Runabout as well. Yeah, Just thinking yeah. about those random flashing up on screen stuff. But as soon as you mentioned something like that, I immediately go to Runabout. Um, yeah. But th that sounds interesting. Is there a modern way of quieting and playing those games? You, you would just have to uh, I just have to play it on MAME. Uh, I think I was sure. watching a video and unfortunately I can't remember who the YouTuber was that played it, but he was saying that he's in ownership of like one of the only actual boards of one of those games that exists right. <laughs> um, still because they've all just been... Uh, They've, they've all it's just almost like an away. urban legend yeah. or something, man. Like the yeah. the way you're describing it, the fact that it's kind of hard to track down real cabinets. It's a kind of game that, like, if anyone knew about, like, if anyone with like more reach knew about, like, it would be huge because it's so weird. It's just so strange, and the, actually, some of the flyers call it like a real driving safety simulator or something like that. So, yeah, it's like they wanted. I felt like they almost hedged their bets where it was like we could draw people in who are really attracted to gore and death, but we could also draw people in who like, you know, take road safety very seriously. Man, yeah. I'm really intrigued to see this now and we should yeah. absolutely amplify some funny screenshots from those videos. That's exactly what I'm gonna do after this episode. Yeah, sounds good. I, I knew I knew it would uh I knew it would uh, amuse you. But yeah, so you know, burnout Burnout 1 is not a game that even I mean among people who enjoy the series and there are lots of them like Burnout 1 tends to get ignored yeah um and you know it, as you were saying it's interesting is like sort of an oddity to go back and see how the series was but but don't you know bend over backwards trying to get a copy of it to 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 experience that because you know part of it too is like the sequel uh you know Burnout 2 Point of Impact it only came out a year later, um, depending on the platform, actually less than a year later. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, it, you know, it feels, it's almost like a 1.5. Um, and it's weird because there are some people out there who really, really love Burnout 2. And I almost think like Burnout 3 has gotten so big that's <laughs> almost kind of turned people off. Like there, there yeah. always seems to be this rejection of something that's like super popular to a point where there are going to be these people on the fringes who are like, no, actually two was better, you know? Um, yeah. Even though I think at the time three came out, there wasn't a single person who thought the two was still better. Uh, but yeah, it, some people will act like it's, and I've, I've seen the phrase perfect sequel kind of, uh, you know, associated with it. 
And, you know, if this is your highlight of the series, I'm not trying to take anything away from you. That's fine. It's a great yeah. game. But, like, to me, it just feels like what the first game should have been and what I'm sure they wanted the first game to be. It it just has enough content to actually make it a full game. It doesn't really mess with the formula that much. Um you know, the whole thing about burnout chaining that was present in the first game. Yeah. The racing feels pretty much the same. Visually, it's a little bit better. The, the car crashes, the deformation is improved. But, like, it, it really, it, it feels like the first game was sort of a beta for this. And, um, you know, it's still a great game. It's just always been one that's, like, it, its significance, the, the love around it has always kind of missed me a little bit. But I think that's because 3 was the first one I really, yeah. you know, played and and once you've once you've experienced that i think it is a little bit hard to go back if you didn't grow up with the series yeah i think that's fair enough what i've always tried to understand is the viewpoint you've just said there adam about why people think two could be better or or just as good as three and for me i think it's two's absolutely the, the peak of the initial gameplay introduced in burnout one where i would argue one and two are a lot more harsh on people playing the game that the way Burnout's supposed to be played. It, mm. For me, it's one of these things where the game is about spectacular crashes and, and basically causing a bit of chaos as you drive. But I think in those first two games, it's very much a case of uh, frustration as opposed to raw thrills when you play the game. So, like, Burnout 3 amplifies everything to 110% and definitely streamlines the main gameplay loop. But I think... Like some, maybe it's like a more narcissistic point of view from people um, in terms of preferring to because it still maintains that air of we will punish you so harshly for making the simplest of mistakes because for <laughs> me the first two games really follow that philosophy of like almost trying to discourage you from playing the way that you're supposed to play obviously the main core component of the game is being able to drive in the face of danger and build up boost chains that sort of thing but I would argue that from free onwards it actually shifted more towards you do that by causing absolute carnage. Whereas maybe mm. the first two games don't dip into that quite as much. So maybe that's why some people prefer to, just because it maintains that level of risk and reward that maybe free onwards kind of it doesn't have as much in high value. I don't know if you agree with that, but I feel like from free onward it was more about creating that thrilling experience by giving people the accessibility of how crazy the game could be. Whereas in one and two, you kind of have to earn that ability to to really drive on the edge. Yeah, and I actually want to highlight a comment made by uh, one of the folks in our Discord. So we started something new alongside this. Um, which we should probably uh, give a little bit more attention on Twitter so so people know about it. But when we do episodes like this, what we want to do going forward where we explore a series is instead of like keeping it a secret as to what we're going to play next, which really doesn't serve anybody, <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> let you know what's coming and also like invite you to play it at the same time that we do. So, you know, you could leave comments or whatever, um, or you could not play the game and leave comments. I mean, we, we won't know the difference. <laughs> um, and we can kind of go through it together. So uh, a number of people, I think it's the, the Time Extend Game Club was That's the name it. that you yeah. came up with, Brent. So good good one. Uh, it's like a book club, but with games. <laughs> um, a number of people kind of chimed in with uh, some of their thoughts and uh, Murdo, who, who I think just joined the server and also just like, I think before we even said anything like in the, in the DMs when they asked, the, they're like, I love Burnout. So they're, <laughs> they're a super fan. Yeah. Um, but they kind of hit the nail on the head. Um, 
They say Burnout 1 and Mostly 2 just capture the simplicity of a no extra thrills classic arcade racing game. If you'd be recommending any racing game, you'd always recommend 3 or Revenge to someone, but those don't have the same charm. They were more realistic in graphics, even more edgy, but they aren't as simple. Which isn't a bad thing, but I think Burnout 2 mostly stands out as a pillar of its very specific niche for that reason. And yeah, I mean, this is... I think if, if you do kind of sort of look for that more technical punishing experience burnout 2 is that yeah. game and uh you know when three introduced takedowns you know for me that was kind of the missing and i think for a lot of people that was kind of missing piece of the puzzle that kind of made the the melding between like damage and racing you know destruction and racing sort of work before then you know, I played a little bit of Burnout 2 when I was a kid and I just didn't get it. Yeah. Um, but the thing is that the takedowns, they do kind of water down the racing experience because every time you take someone down, your boost bar gets extended and, f and filled. And yeah. that can kind of create this sort of uh, thing where like, and, and not to everyone harps on, you know, how important skill should be in the game, but like, and I'm not someone who's ever really felt super strongly about that, but yeah, it does. It does kind of give you a crutch to win those races that you otherwise maybe wouldn't. Um, so I can understand how some people kind of have that feeling about two versus the later games. Looking back, yeah, absolutely. I always sum it up when I think about these games in my head when I'm trying to work out what type of experience they provide. For me, burnout. One and, and then two obviously being the better of the two games manages to have that type of experience that always has me kind of in that twitchy gameplay mode of like knowing that if I flick the analog stick a slight bit too much I, I'll fuck things up or if I make try and do a daft move I'll usually get punished for it and it creates a very kind of um, slightly infuriating at times experience but one which you really do feel as if you've got to be fully tuned in and aware of everything that's happening around you including the traffic and the cars that you're racing burnout free onwards for me is more of like a tour de force of what you can actually get from that style of gameplay when all, all, everything's just unchained and on loose i don't think it's the same type of experience oddly i can obviously they're part of the same series and it's an evolution of the concept but for me, Free Onwards was more about like showing to everybody how fun this type of gameplay could be without having to arduously earn it by playing through three tracks over and over again in the case of the first <laughs> game or on the second game in terms of the late game elements. Um, yeah. So for that reason, I can see why people might take the slightly contrarian view that 2 is better than 3. I personally can't see that, just cards on the table. I really mm. do think 2 is enjoyable. I think it kind of renders the first game a bit pointless, aside from the reasons for exploring it we've talked about earlier in the pod. Um, but I, I think like the kind of origins of Burnout were more heavily invested in that 90s arcade racer bit we're talking about of... Yeah. You don't need a lot of content, you don't need a lot of cars, what you need to learn is to get good. <laughs> and it's like that's where the, the real loop comes from. Whereas I think Free Onwards was more about that constant rewarding of the player through the gameplay mechanics itself, through the, the kind of plethora of content that were there, the many different game modes, that sort of thing. Because two, once again, that you added pursuits that we kind of briefly talked about earlier. Um Crash Mode of course makes its debut and 
we could argue that frames the rest of the series really once yeah, that got completely. really into it and and then there was a point I was going to make about the first game but it's also into um, the random free run mode that's in the games where mm, basically yeah. you just drive about the tracks and stuff and and whenever people talk about how oh paradise they took it in a direction they would they never intended and it ruined the experience. I would argue the fact that Freerun was there from the very beginning would imply to me that Criterion always had an interest in creating a more open book experience. And yeah. the fact that it returns into kind of backs that up for me. The, like putting in a mode where basically it's just about driving around. Like the, to me, whenever I think about the series and I hear that being said, I always think it's maybe a little bit short-sighted because I think mm. from the very beginning, if you can see the foundations of what Free became from one and two. I think you can also see the foundations of what Paradise would end up becoming and what that stood for in the Burnout series. So I think 2 is really interesting because it's like the it's the point right before the change where this series truly reaches the spotlight. And because of that, it's it's for me 2 just basically exists as being one with a bit more content and having some personality now and, and nothing really justifies that more than the introduction of the custom coupe. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Well, yeah, I think Crash Mode is something to highlight because, you know, Crash Mode is obviously one of the most popular aspects of the Burnout experience to the point where, you know, they arguably, uh, some people would say, perfected it in 3. But Criterion seemed to always have this, like, weird reticence about just doing the same thing twice. And yeah. it's something that is so... Like, especially after Burnout 2, it's it just seems like, in my opinion, I feel like they almost shot themselves in the foot with this, like, need to constantly innovate. Because, you know, Revenge brought back the crash mode and added a bunch of stuff, the the, the sort of meter to start, and, and a lot of things that, that kind of drove people away. Um, the first game, you know, to me, there's two parts of what make crash mode special and it's that initial strategy of selecting your route where you're going to make that strike but and i'm obviously talking about burnout 3 here because because that's the one that i love the most um it's also what happens after the crash and it's also you know getting to that crash breaker being able to hit some of those bonuses being able to kind of give yourself a second wind and the reason why Going back, I'm almost surprised that Crash Mode was such a hit in Burnout 2 is because that second win does not exist in Burnout 2. There is no Crash Breaker. There is, there, there, there's nothing to pick up. So it's like, it's, you know, it's referred to a lot as like a puzzle mode. I, I always enjoy when we do research for these shows going back and seeing how like journalists and the public sort of perceive these things. Like I remember seeing a lot around PGR that like they compared it to like the Tony Hawk pro skater of racing games or whatever with the kudos system and like this is the puzzle game of burnout and you know that is very much apparent but like for me even the crash mode doesn't quite hit its zenith in this game um and pursuits is something that like would completely just disappear uh yeah. so you know it's a it, it is a different it's the apex of a different kind of burnout experience and and uh, I think I think that's generally the, the crux of everything that we're getting at. And, you know, this is a game that I think if you're after something, you know, if you kind of want to see a different side of that coin, then Burnout 2 is definitely the one to check out. But, you know, we'll be talking about a game later where they actually 
almost kind of tried to make a spiritual sequel, in my opinion, to Burnout 2. Um, but, you know, that's kind of skipping ahead. Yeah, no, I, I totally, I, I do agree with all of that. With regards to Pursuit, um, what I realised playing through that again was that it's actually not too dissimilar to the way you earn cars in Paradise. In terms mm, of like a yeah. car is a wanted car and you go chase it down. Now obviously in Pursuit it's more of a concentrated hit the car like 10-15 times. To, to, to it's runabout it, but... or driver <laughs> or any game yeah, that, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But like in, in my head like the kind of correlation, something similar for me was always the way you earn cars in Paradise. But yeah, it too is interesting because it's pretty much the apex of that type of burnout experience that a lot of people enjoyed. But for me, it's a case of being the better of the two original games. Because I do feel as if from three onwards, the series truly found its feet. And I don't even just mean from a gameplay perspective as well, like just presentation-wise and everything. It, I'm still blown away by how exciting a game like 3 feels to be in. I feel as if 1 and 2 kind of miss the mark there because it just feels more like there's window dressing around some core gameplay concepts but it doesn't feel fully realised, it doesn't feel like a completely full package, um, which is fair enough I suppose since it's the early days of the series but for me it's a case of Burnout 2 being a great version of a, a gameplay concept that would then be perfected from the next game. Yeah, and you know, I, th I think that puts a pin pretty much in Burnout 2, so at this point I guess we'll skip several games, uh, or <laughs> yeah. maybe really only one game now that I think about it, and talk about Legends, which um, I played a little bit of the PSP one, uh, you played I think a lot of the DS one, yeah. <laughs> and they're two very different games. Yeah. Um, the the PSP one is probably the definitive Burnout Legends experience. Probably. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't know. I, I don't think there's a lot really to talk about with Burnout Legends on the PSP. I think it successfully brought those games to, you know, a to a, a handheld platform. It combines um, content from the first two games and three, which kind of makes it weird because it, and, and, and I did kind of feel that when I played the game back in the day. It has a lot of the music from Burnout 3, um, which is key because, like, in the first two games, you know, they were published by Acclaim. It was yeah. before EA bought Criterion. So they have dynamic music that some people like. I honestly don't... It doesn't do anything for me. It's just kind of, like, very generic rock. Um, but, it you know, it does different things when you boost and whatnot. Um and, you know, with three onwards, they were part of the EA family and their whole EA tracks thing. And we all know, you know, the songs that we associate with those games. Yeah. So Legends is weird because it kind of straddles both. Um, that said, you know, the, the burnout chaining isn't an aspect of the game. It borrows the most from three because it has all the cars from three. It also has takedowns and... It was an early PSP game, and it was it was good. You know, it ran at 30 frames per second. Uh, it was not the prettiest PSP game in the world, but it ran well enough. And if you wanted that that Burnout 3 experience on the go, it was it was a pretty good place to uh, to go for that. You know, it was a little tough on that screen seeing the oncoming cars and stuff, and I can only imagine how tough it it must have been on the DS version. Um, but 
yeah, not a whole lot to say about Burnout Legends. Completely competent uh, mobile experience on the PSP. But uh, the DS one, friends. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, so Burnout Legends DS was not developed by Criterion. I suppose that's the, um, the first non-surprise out of the way. It was developed by a French studio called Visual Impact. Who developed such hits as E.T. the Extraterrestrial for Game Boy Advance? Uh, Not the uh, one for Atari Twenty Six Hundred that filled up the landfills. Yeah. Different E.T. <laughs> uh, Imagine Babies on Nintendo DS. Oh, I remember those games. I remember yeah. the Imagine series. So oh, they were only boy. in charge of the Babies game. So I'm not sure if that's because that <laughs> one was just like it was so good. They were like, we need to give other guys a chance. Um, and then some other ports of like SSX Tricky on the Game Boy as well. Um, Ants with a Z Racing. Yeah, yes. based on that trade yeah. film. Um, and yeah, so now they actually got to work on Burnout Legends uh, with oversight from Criterion. Wikipedia informs me. I am not sure how much oversight they had on this game, but. Yeah. I chose to play this version, I think, much to your surprise, when we were deciding what to go after here because I did actually own the game when I first had my DS um, as a, a bright and bushy-eyed early teen now I, I was of that mindset of playing racing games everywhere and anywhere that I could yeah, of course. and you could argue not much has changed in that regard since I always end up in this <laughs> position doing this type of stuff um, yeah I remember buying it at the time and I did have a PSP at the time with uh, Legends and I, I still bought the DS version when I got my DS and man oh man this is a very strange game so what you basically have is a developer who is trying to replicate criterion style of burnout game as of free onwards on hardware where this should have never been attempted because <laughs> the technical <laughs> limit they shouldn't have even tried <laughs> no it's true though like it's, the fact that it exists is so strange to me purely because I don't know anybody that would want a definitive experience on a DS and, and people say this type of shit about the Switch or who would want to play it on the Switch but the Switch can still approximate a regular experience to a certain degree but taking Burnout that was pioneered to show off renderware in the first place when it was first conceived mm. uh, was, was like perfected to oblivion uh, from free with EA's money and then you're trying to like almost take that type of experience and put it on a handheld that could barely play 3D games in general in terms of anything outside of Nintendo type stuff. <laughs> it, it's weird. It, it's I'm trying to actually put into words the way the game plays. It's kind of like if you tried to play Burnout Legends on PSP but the buttons and the uh, analog stick were made of sponge. There, there's like this there's this weird like disconnect between whatever's happening to the vehicle and what's the gameplay actually looks like as well because it's as if somebody's just smeared like dirty water all over the screen i just see a lot of like i'm watching footage of it off screen because if you watch footage of burnout legends ds on youtube i want to point out everyone seems to like want to increase the rendering resolution so it looks like an okay game but um yeah, that's not how it would have looked on the DS screen. I'm watching, like, off-screen footage. And it's like... Yeah, it's kind of like somebody described Burnout over the phone. Like, <laughs> yeah. it, And it's funny because, like, I'm watching a race on the Silver Lake track that was in Burnout 3. And, like, this is that track. Like, there are various aspects of it that um, resemble Silver Lake. But the way that the car moves, 
you know, it almost feels like a flash game. Um, it reminds me of the first Ridge Racer on PS One. The car movements, uh, just that yeah. weird, like on a pivot, almost like it turns. Yeah. And and here's the thing, like I actually I actually disagree with you. I think that they could have made a respectable burnout game on this platform. And to be honest, like the frame rate seems very smooth. You yes. you were saying yeah. you were saying before the show that like you, you almost thought it was like sixty. Like it seems very consistent. Um which to me proves that like there was potential here. You know, it's not like Sega Rally on the Game Boy Advance where it's like <laughs> it's hard to look at. Um I think it's just down to the fact that it was developed by a studio that didn't maybe understand the core fundamentals of the burnout handling. Yeah. Um, and there's aspects of it that look decidedly low budget. Like just even, even the text, I know like, you know, I, I always look at like fonts and stuff like that and make a big deal out of it. No one gives a shit except me, but like even like the HUD, like yeah. it looks it looks like it was maybe rushed or maybe not given the love that other versions of this game received. Uh, and I mean, it's on the DS, so that wouldn't be terribly surprising. I just, I remember how three was, it felt like such a glow up for the series. It felt like the production values were just like through the roof. I remember that's like what surprised me the most having played a little bit of two and going to three and you feel that in Legends on the PSP to an extent, but you you don't feel it here. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, yeah. and, and I think that's the thing. Like, it's not so much I don't think you can make a good burnout experience on DS, but for me, I don't see it happening for what the series is from three onwards. And this is where yeah. I suppose we we almost circle back to the start in terms of I could absolutely imagine the original burnout gameplay concepts working very well on DS. So less reliant on the bombastic thrill nature of it and more reliant on the kind of accurate driving and avoiding of traffic that sort of thing being punishing but fair i feel as if at a limited scope would have done this game the world of good but obviously they wanted to try and approximate what legends as an experience was in the psp just for a different audience um but like there's just there, there's too many technical limitations in play that kind of detract from that anyway even if the the controls were great which sadly they, they do fall a bit short <laughs> there just isn't enough like kind of traffic cars on the road so everywhere feels very yeah. empty and that detracts from the experience the actual kind of crash animations aren't so much as animations as it seems like somebody clicking on one of the car objects and kind of dragging it around with a mouse to, to give it some like vision of movement um yeah the way the chase cam works is like kind of making me dizzy yeah Exactly, yeah. and it's even worse on the <laughs> DS because it doesn't have that up-res and everything's so mushy, and there's yeah. like, it, it's like a weird, like, it's not motion blur, but there's like a kind of... They try to, they try to do a motion blur, and it, you shouldn't try to do motion blur on the screen this low resolution. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's so strange. Um, the actual kind of content of the game is fair enough. There's a world tour mode where basically you... You go around all the tracks, you unlock cars, you unlock new races. But what's really cool about the World Tour mode is it introduces the idea of the car having a health bar. So you take damage during the race and then on the bottom screen it actually replicates where the car is most damaged and yeah. the, the level of health that it has left reach zero and it's game over. That's not um, something that was ever present in any other Burnout no, game. Um, exactly. When you, when you do Road Rage, you know, there there is 
a health associated with your vehicle, but you only know about it when it says, you know, the, I can't remember what, good damage, critical damage uh, will we'll pop up on the screen. But yeah, having this meter, like to tell you where your car is most damaged is pretty wild because that yeah. was never a thing Criterion tried to do in any of their games. Exactly. And I, I think for some of the kind of later tournaments and stuff as well, the damage carries over race to race and stuff as well. So there, there was definitely something cool in that element. And for me, that's what I'm always intrigued about when it comes to ports like this um, is the ways in which a developer tries to make it unique for the platform because they know they can't actually replicate the experience exactly. Uh, the reference point that I always use, and it's not a racing game, so I won't go on about it too long, but was when Pro Evolution Soccer 2008 came out on the Wii. Um, not only did they have a full different gameplay mode for that, uh, they basically turned it into a real-time strategy game, and it's fucking great. But the actual oh, wow. gameplay... Yeah, they, it's, it's honestly worth checking out. I say that to everybody listening as well. It's interesting. <laughs> but they took like the typical kind of sport career mode and basically turned it into a card game like Yu-Gi-Oh! or something like that, where basically mm. you would start uh, with a team of nobodies, generics and you would basically every point in the career you would choose between playing five different teams and for each team it would say like this guy's deck has a five star playmaker from Argentina and like then just say other stuff but it would never specifically say who the players were if they would have compatible chemistry for like, the rest of your players that sort of thing so you basically worked your way through the game building up a squad through that kind of like card deck like trading game type trading card game type switching um, I've always been a bit caught like weary of the fact that Ultimate Team then started up and it had a similar yeah, idea. That's exactly what we were thinking <laughs> the whole time you were talking about that, yeah. Yeah, but imagine taking that concept and putting it in a cool gameplay mode that wasn't trying to be predatory towards microtransactions. That's, that's the thing, it's, it's a was. really cool idea if you take away the loot boxes and, yeah. you know, uh, making children pay for things part, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. And there was cool things as well, that like you get shiny versions of the cards, that sort of thing. I don't want to go on about it too long, but basically what I was getting around to saying without too much waffle is that when you're working within technical limitations and you have a, a unique piece of hardware or something, coming up with a way to make the game unique for that platform and make it still enjoyable is very important. And I think the, the biggest issue for Legends is for me is that it doesn't quite go far enough for that. Like the, the world tour mode is cool, but technically that could have been replicated on it would it could have been replicated on the PSP. You just put the fucking car damage thing on the actual HUD as opposed to the second screen. Yeah, I mean it uh, had the, the PSP I mean the World Tour it had like the World Tour map. Yeah. Just yeah. like Burnout 3 did. It didn't have it didn't have that damage that carried over. But but yeah, no, the it's it's a neat idea. It's one of those things like if if you're trying to kind of gear this for the system, you almost have to go all out. It seems exactly. like they just didn't know what to do. How for far me, take it? one of the things that I often thought about was the idea of a multi-car crash mode that you use the touchscreen to control from a bird's eye view. So you would have the actual yeah. kind of junction on the top screen. And then on the bottom screen, you could have it so that there was multiple entry points for the cars and you could draw the pathways that they were going to take. And then you could have had like a cool kind of crash mode based on like a kind of drawing yeah, what out if pathways you did, and stuff. Yeah, what if you did a crash mode this is weird and maybe a terrible idea, but what if you did a crash <laughs> mode where like the burnout car you didn't control. Instead you set the traffic patterns yes. using the touch exactly. screen. <laughs> yeah. Why don't they pay us, man? Mate, I know hundred <laughs> percent. Um 
And it's funny too because you, you think about that concept and um, oh, I can't even remember the name of the board game, but uh, Rush Hour, I think it was, or something like that, where basically you had to get a tiny red car out of the kind of like four by four grid by moving lorries and that type of thing to mm. to basically create the pathways to move the car out. I think it was like Traffic Jam or Rush Hour or something it was called. And that's just like so right for like a DS version of like Burnout. Um, and and that's when I say like, don't bother if you're not going to try and accommodate for the hardware. And that's the biggest issue I have with Legends. It's a, a downgraded experience that doesn't add enough to justify its existence when, for me, like we're talking about, I think you agree, Adam, like, you make use of what hardware you have. If you're happy enough to show off the PSP at the time in terms of like, the graphics and replicating a console-like experience, the DS at that point had already established itself as a unique platform that could offer different kinds of experiences and the burnout type gameplay was rife to add some stuff in there. Um, so that's that's the biggest disappointment from even playing it with a fanatic wheel. I was still left still left a bit disappointed. <laughs> no, it's it's interesting because like there was that mobile game that they had Burnout Crash, which we won't yep. be talking about, but um, and I actually don't know anything about it uh but i was thinking about like maybe the issue with the ds is that the ds was just capable enough to convince them that they could make a game like legends yeah but not actually capable enough to really realize it where like it might have been more interesting to see them try to do a burnout game on the gba (laughs) that was like not 3d not a conventional racing game but like you know i don't know was really focused on the crash mode and had some sort of puzzle aspect to it that was like from an isometric view or something, you know, like these are kinds of things that like when you really have no choice, but to like go for something else, that's what you do. And they were neither here nor there with the DS. So, um, and they, and they probably like, they were probably like, Hey, you know, it's our audience isn't really on the DS. So like if it's not the best burnout experience, (laughs) On the handheld platform, it's not the end of the world. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. At the end of the day, that this type of thing always comes down to priority. It was probably easy enough to, to hand it out to an external developer and approximate some form of driving experience when there weren't that many outside of the, the Mario Kart and stuff. And that's kind of highlighted by uh, Nintendo Life back in the day, giving it a 5 out of 10, but in the final closing mm-hmm. comments remarked that it's one of the better racers on the system. So like, oh, <laughs> you, no. you can give it a five out of ten. It still it has that. And five out of ten is very fair. Um, mm. I, I always just have a weird soft spot for these type of racing games on platforms. They probably should be on though. Like it, yeah. as has been evidenced when I talk a lot about GBA racers and stuff. I think it's yeah. it's an interesting view because I always remember when I was playing this back in the day when it first came out. It made me believe that you could have, let's say, Grally 95 or something on the DS, and it was like, oh man, that'd be so cool, just because it looks like a fucking Saturn game or something, like... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you could, and there were some GBA games that, you know, we we had the episode with uh, John Lemon where we talked about, like, V-Rally 3 on the GBA is amazing, and, um, you know, I didn't have that one, but I did have Top Gear Rally, and that had a fantastic engine. That absolutely could have been the Saturn game, and honestly looks better than, like, some early Saturn racing games by like third party devs. So um yeah, it's when it works, when when it's done right, which is obviously very rare because of the the massive technical lift that is required, 
it's very impressive and when it doesn't it does make you wonder why they why they bothered i guess but that's the that's unfortunately sort of the both sides of that of that sword but uh but yeah so legends is a is a weird game um depending on where you play it another weird one is burnout dominator First off, uh, did you ever play Dominator? Because I completely ignored it. I knew it was out there, and I did not care. <laughs> yeah, I I've always known about it, but I kind of just like correlated it with Legends for some reason. In my head, I was just like, it's probably just another best of compilation of burnout content. So sadly, yeah. no, I, I haven't played it. But I'm I'm curious to hear what your experience of it was. Right. So with Dominator. Uh, they basically wanted to have a burnout experience for play- people who had uh, PS2s, and the PSP was was completely in its like, you know, squarely in the middle of the PSP's lifespan. And by 2007, you know, people had already moved on. It wasn't it wasn't quite like today where there are still people who can't get their hands on the new system. <laughs> people had <laughs> moved on to 360 and the PS3 and and the Wii, but like. <clears throat> They wanted something for uh, the massive install base that the PlayStation 2 had. So what they did was while Criterion was working on Burnout Paradise, uh, which wouldn't come out for, I think, like another year, year and a half, uh, they had EA UK, which is important to this show because they are also the developers of Shocks, make a Burnout game. And it's called Burnout Dominator. And... You know, at the time, I remember ignoring it because obviously the 360 and the PS3 was the new hotness. Yeah. Uh, Burnout Paradise. I, I can't remember if I knew anything about the game at that point, but obviously they were working on something new. Probably the year before, I just played Revenge on the 360, and you know that was a cross-gen game, but it looked pretty good. Um, so, yeah, Dominator is a weird one because. I wouldn't even say it feels like it comes from another studio. I think that's the most interesting thing about it. I 
sort of expected that it would feel more distant from the other burnout games of its time. And it does in some ways, uh, but the production, like, I... I was surprised to find that like this doesn't feel like a game that they just like pushed out there so they had something that people with PS2s could buy because that's completely what I expected. Yeah. And the fans don't seem to take it super seriously because it was kind of in that in that no man's land uh, the time when the when the generation was changing. So um, I was surprised to find I actually like the game a lot. Um, I've been playing it on the PSP and some people will probably be like why would you choose that one if you if you've never played the game before but the thing is like the PSP in some respects kind of seems like their lead platform on this one because with the PS2 they were like you know well this system has been around for seven years um, we pretty much know everything we could do with it we basically maxed out our potential with burnout 3 so there's not much to be gained there yeah but uh, and they were using renderware they're using you know the burnout engine <clears throat> just like Criterion would have done. But with the PSP, they were very focused on improving upon Legends. And visually, they they do that. It It's a very like dense, detailed game on PSP. Uh, runs at 30 frames per second, but is super, you know, super stable, super smooth. Um, it's honestly like, it might be too detailed because again with burnout you run into that problem where like oncoming cars and stuff becomes a real issue and <laughs> yeah. um you know i've been playing it on my vita so things are a little bit pixelated because it's a psp game with the output resolution or the, the display effectively doubled so things are a little pixelated and it can be hard to see and the vita's oled screen makes like everything super saturated so i feel like the game is almost like a little bit more visually overstimulating than it should be, um, but it's it's a good one. And without going on about this too long, without giving you a chance to chime in, Brent, uh, the, the the thing about Dominator is that they were really trying to. It seems like they were very inspired by those first two games. Yeah. Um, and it seems like they took the opportunity of making a game for the PS2 and the PSP. PSP only as an excuse to kind of take burnout back to its roots in the sense you still have takedowns but yeah. the actual burnout chaining mechanic returns and it is oh, all okay. over dominator everything that you do in every mode it, it can be enhanced or you're expected to do burnouts um and they have a lot of modes in this game that wouldn't appear in other games uh while it lacks crash mode uh, there's a mode called Maniac Mode, which the closest thing I can compare it to is like some sort of like kudos attack or something in, in PGR. Like you're just yeah. trying to drift or whatever, gain points to, um, you know, pass a certain threshold. Uh, there's drift challenges. Uh, there's still burning laps like, like there are in the other games. Um, there's a burnout challenge where you're just trying to chain as many of those as possible there's a whole mode around near misses which is actually pretty it's not very well done because it counts anytime you hit a vehicle but don't crash as a near miss oh, okay. <laughs> so it's it's not very stringent uh, definitely yeah. not as much as the pros who love burnout 2 would, would prefer um but yeah it, it has a lot of different things going for it and it exists in this weird middle ground between 
where burnout was and was going kind yep. of like very much of that revenge era but also taking a lot of inspiration from the earlier games and i think it's it is worth checking out because um it, it it just it just feels weird it's something that i knew was out there completely passed me by and it's always fun when you discover a game like that yeah i mean i'm just looking at some screenshots of the game and stuff as well and I don't know if I'm just imagining it, but it seems to have like a different kind of visual flair to it. Um, not sure if that's just due to the different developer, but it seems as if things are a lot more brighter and car- cartoony, almost. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think it's that not as grungy just... as like Revenge. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it totally ditches ditches like the next gen filter, and it, it almost. It's sort of like Burnout Three, but maybe even it pops a little bit more, and like the, I feel like there's like more objects, more there's more detail in everything. Yeah, I think that's what really stands out to me as well. Like the, I think it might actually be the car designs more than anything seem to have yeah. more of that kind of. These are fictional cars, so let let's give that extra little bit of fantasy. If that makes sense. I think they're actually uh, they actually look pretty cool. There's yeah. like it's the one that I think you always see, but it's like the American classic or the, I think the Drift classic. They have very generic names because they didn't <laughs> they didn't have like the uh, manufacturer names that they had in Paradise. I think it's yeah. a Drift classic, but it looks like some sort of like it's like an Aston DB5 with four headlights, but is like way weirder. It's a really yeah. neat car. Some of these are almost like. They almost feel like if they ever made like a Ridge Racer with like, oh, here's like an Asoluto from like the 70s. This is what it would look <laughs> like, you know, kind of neat. Yeah, it definitely is. I'm actually pretty frustrated that I've never actually given this a go. Just purely because it, it's well, especially because the Shocks developer made it, first off. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, they make good stuff. But just because it's like it's a total blank on my knowledge of the Burnout series then, because I've actually played Crash. Um, but I've never played Dominator because I just assumed it would just be a similar approach to Legends. But now, I really feel like I've got to give it a go. Um, I'd probably go for the PSP version myself. Um, I can see why the PS2 version would be considered the best, but I always feel as if these type of offshoot titles do tend to work best on a portable for some reason. So I'd probably play it on my Vita, to be honest. Yeah, um, I did want to bring bring up that the... the uh director on this one nick channon did a lot of interviews about the game when it came out and there's a really good one he did with uh on the kikizo archives um where he kind of teases into like how they really took the psp seriously and they talk about like oh we really tweaked we really focus on the psp handling so it feels good on the d-pad or the nub but like it doesn't like i mean i'm playing on the vita which is a little bit different um but they're like, oh, you couldn't do drifts and legends, but it's like easier. It's honestly too touchy for me. Um, it, it's a little bit too touchy. And like, as much as I love Burnout, I've never thought Burnout was an amazing handling game. I think Burnout handles yeah. exactly as well as it needs to for what it's trying to do. I think that's yeah. also the reason why, like, I think pure racing in Burnout is never fun, and that's probably why, or not never fun, but not as fun as it could be, and that's why I go for like the three and the revenge. Um, but he, he did this interview uh, with IGN. And it's just like, I, I just want to bring it up because it makes me feel, as someone who kind of also does this for a living, I just can relate very hard because um, 
you know, the, well, the first question out of the gate is like, why is Omni exclusive to Sony platforms? And Nick Chan says, you know, we're always looking for ways to leverage the hardware. There's still millions of people out there with PS2s, and we believe this is going to deliver an intense next-gen style experience, especially on the PSP. Fair enough. But then uh, for, further down, I guess, I don't know if the IGN uh, journalist was not keyed in or what, but they ask, have there been any changes to the way crash mode works? <laughs> and the game doesn't have crash mode. So so uh, Nick Chan in very PR response goes, Burnout Dominator is very much focused on skill-based driving and pure racing. In many ways, what fuels burnout is that moment of high tension when you just avoid a crash at insane speeds with your finger firmly pressed on the boost. In Burnout Dominator, we spend a lot of time and effort. So he never says, like, this game doesn't have crash mode. And it's just like anyone who has ever tried to conduct an interview and get something out of someone knows that feeling where it's like so you're, you're just not you're just not going to admit the thing are you you're just just going to keep kind of playing the stance and also it, it feels distinctly like an like an interview that was carried out over email that's the other thing yeah it's just like canned responses yeah it's especially awkward because like you could argue paradise didn't have crash mode as well like in terms of what people see as being crash mode because i remember at the time people were really pissed off about the way paradise implemented crash my hot take my spicy hot take is um (laughs) if you get really into showtime and paradise it's better than crash mode wow it's more fun i mean it lasts it lasts forever and you can trigger it any time like and I feel bad because when I played Paradise, I completely ignored that. I was like, this isn't Crash Mode. <laughs> and then when, when Remastered actually came out, they did. And I was like, holy shit, this is brilliant. And also, like, I'm not I'm not advancing in the game. I'm just constantly doing Showtime. <laughs> and I don't know. I think I think it's a really brilliant idea. Um, you know, that said, I, I don't see why you can't do both. But yeah. Uh, but yeah. Um, I think, like, it, it comes down <laughs> to that burnout 2 versus what happens next side of things where i think like crash mode is definitely for people who probably prefer burnout 2's style of gameplay mm-hmm. and showtime's more along the lines of like burnout 3 onwards that kind of all thrills cool experience that you can like have the most fun with i think crash is more of a case of like the first time you play crash mode and you make an arse of yourself by like crashing into one car and stuff it can feel frustrating Whereas in Showtime, right off the bat, you're just fucking bouncing between cars. You're, you're keeping going uh, as long as possible, like you're saying. Yeah, so you, you say, like, the first time making an ass out of yourself. So the, I something I actually wanted to bring up, the worst thing about this era of burnout, whether you're talking about Dominator, to a certain extent Paradise, definitely Revenge, but Dominator might actually be the worst, is the unskippable tutorials of how to play the game and also the constant just barging in with like when you're doing the first for example you're doing the first road rage and it's like this is how you boost oh, now take someone out and you take and you you haven't taken them out yet and it's like did you forget how to take someone out here's how you do it and then like how burnouts work it's like chain burnouts it's like okay i need boost to be able to do that and, and it keeps trying to get you to do it. And you don't have boost and then you have it. And each time, if you don't do it right, it, it tries to explain it to you again. And it drove me up a fucking wall. I was like, I almost thought the game was broken with, with the regularity with which it tried to explain the burnout uh, function in, in Dominator specifically. Uh, it, it's madness. And these games are so bad at it. If you go back to Burnout 2, 
you know, it's amazing. You can't do anything in that game until you've done the driving school, which is like four or five little license tests. They don't take long. Yeah. But you can't you can't even do like a single race. No. Uh, it, it seems like Criterion was very concerned about people not understanding <laughs> the game, which makes sense early on, but by the time Burnout you know, by the time Revenge came out, it's like we all we all yeah. understand yeah. how Burnout works, you know. It's so intuitive as well as a game. Like that's that's kind of the credit I was given free onwards where it's like the first two minutes or so, you really got a grasp for what the game's about and just kick on from there and you just pick up all the other things like Aftertouch and all that type of stuff. I can't remember if that's the official name yeah, for it. Yeah. But you can, yeah. Like, you just kind of pick that up as you play. You don't need to over-explain <laughs> it, but um, the, the Star of Paradise is the exact same, really. It's uh, awful. It's, that yeah, was, like, the yeah. thing that prevented me because, like, when they came out with it on the Switch, I was like, I'm going to buy the game on the Switch again because, like, it's yeah. Paradise. It's fun anywhere. But I was like, what's keeping me from doing it is I don't want to sit through all of the the intrusive, dumb explainers yes. for the first like twenty minutes of the game. Like that enough <laughs> that that was enough to just kind of like make me like, do I really want to start Paradise all over again? Ugh. Oh, man, it's yeah. It's certainly something. There was actually <laughs> there was a specific segment I wanted to do in this podcast about burnout, by the way, because what I realized trolling through articles and stuff is that the advertising agencies really fucking hate burnout like big time so mm. the way these games have been advertised throughout the years has attracted ire so many times and i just wanted to call out some of these i don't suppose you've seen any of them adam like some of i'd these seen one and... story about like what a claim tried to do with the second game <laughs> which you yeah. might know about yeah so yeah so we'll start with that one then since that is the earliest of the three stories that i've been <laughs> through so, effectively, when Burnout 2 came out in the UK, a claim offered to reimburse any driver in the United Kingdom who received a speeding ticket. <laughs> Following a negative reaction to this from the UK government, not even the advertising agency, actually, the fucking UK government, the plan was cancelled. Incredible. And then the Department of Transport spokesman actually went on record with a statement about this and said, if they want to foot... What is likely to be a hefty bill, that is their choice. But we cannot yeah. condone something that so obviously encourages people to break the law and do something dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I have another one, um, not to not to take you off track, but yeah. Acclaim, which uh, Acclaim was, I think, headquartered in Long Island, which is where I was born, New York, yeah. so that's kind of hilarious. But um, they had a thing for like, I don't know. Their marketing department was like <laughs> on something because they had crazy ideas and they never turned out well. There was a whole thing around the game Shadow Man where they tried to, I'm assuming, hoping with the consent of of the families involved, like put ads for the game on gravestones. Holy shit. Yeah. The acclaim was wild. They had that whole BMW, uh, BMW BMX triple uh, X game. Like the oh, Dave Mira yeah, offshoot yeah. that was like had that. like was all raunchy and shit and like was adults only or wanted it to be. Yeah, yeah, that was that was them. So anyway, just just wanted to chime in and say they that was their bag. <laughs> no, I absolutely. But um apparently it followed Burnout as a claim sadly left us because 
When Burnout Revenge came out, uh, they ran a, EA ran an ad campaign in various European magazines and such that basically had a car and then etched into the car with like a key, as if somebody would key a car. All these terms like crash, burn, um, <laughs> road rage, all this shit, like inscribed into relevant languages. Yeah, just like modes from the game inscribed in like German, Swedish, whatever. Mm. And um, it, apparently, and I couldn't get exact verification of this, but it would make sense. Somebody on Reddit said that the German ads agency pulled the ads because it was encouraging uh, revenge type actions um, for people yeah. who would key cars, or in some cases, they believed it would also influence minors and uh, mm. youths who wanted to cause some issues. So. Um, I can actually find the ad and show you that. You're probably able to find it pretty easily as well if you just type in like, Burnout Revenge magazine ad. Yeah. You'll be able to see a photo of it. But that is like the second controversy that I was able to find. I couldn't yeah, find an English version it. of it at all. So oh, I really found it. Yeah. Wait, have you found yeah, an English yeah. version of it or is it the... Oh, I don't think I found the English version, but ah. uh, it's on uh, it's on Moby Games and yeah, it's all... <laughs> it looks so bad too. Yeah. Um, it's, it's very probably strange. Not. Yeah, it's probably not the best hat to, to advertise it that way. Um, but. Um, real quick about Revenge. Uh, they wanted to... I think this comes from an interview with Games Radar about the history of the series. I don't remember if it was Alex Ward who said this or someone else, but the in, the original name for that game was supposed to be... What they wanted to call it was Burnout 4 Rush Hour. Uh, but EA did not like that. They were like... I think the, the reason against it was... First of all, no one buys a game with four on it. Like, no one buys the fourth sequel of a series, which is just arbitrary and stupid. And <laughs> <Yeah>. two, um, <laughs> they were like, just, yeah, revenge is like, make a revenge, you know? That's uh, what is Rush Hour? Like, revenge is like, is powerful, you know? It was aggressive, <laughs> and I guess they thought it would play better in, in the US and stuff. And whoever it was from, uh, from Criterion uh, was like, I personally, I hated it. So, yeah. <laughs> there you go. I think in a way, the games never really felt like Burnout 4 to me as well. Revenge. Um, I always mm. felt as if Revenge was like a... I, I don't know, like, see we were saying like 2 is like a 1.5. For me, Revenge was kind of like a 3.5 director's cut remix type game in terms yeah. of... I don't know, it just felt as if something was missing to call it a number title. So perhaps going down the Revenge route wasn't too bad. Well, they also had this whole thing where they did this for Revenge and Dominator. They had the subtitle Battle Racing Ignited. Yeah, like EA that. went really far to like, I don't, I don't know, just like do all this unnecessary branding for Burnout that they didn't really need. Also, Dominator is a terrible name. We know this today. <laughs> In yeah. the 2000s, probably wasn't as obvious. Um, and yeah, Takedown even was suggested by... Actually, I don't know if it was suggested by EA, but I think the original name for that feature was supposed to be Knockout. And then they were like, but Takedown sounds more, it sounds more American. So they went yeah. with Takedown instead. So That's fair. Yeah. I guess yeah. Knockout kind of has connotations of like boxing and stuff as well. Perhaps it doesn't work as well. Yeah. But speaking anyway. of Dominator, yeah. that's the third <laughs> controversy I have here. Okay. So, headline from Wired back in 2007. UK bans Burnout Dominator ad. <laughs> Complaints from the public have prompted the Advertising Standards Authority to ban an ad for Burnout Dominator in the UK. 37 separate complaints were lodged about the poster, 
which features a crashed car and the tagline, Inner Peace Through Outer Violence. Yeah, wow. <laughs> EA's stance was that the image was meant to imply that playing Burnout Dominator was a good way to re- uh, relieve real life stress, but the ESA was not buying it. Oh, Jesus. And it's fair enough. If you see this um, ad, it's probably... It's too vague. I think that that's yeah. what I would describe it as. Um, the tagline itself isn't too bad in isolation, but like this is just genuinely a photo of an absolutely wrecked car with a, a yeah. wheel on fire. Um, they, did, they thankfully didn't show any bodies or anything like that, but I can see why the ESA stood in. But I guess this is the, the issue with trying to advertise a game series like this in the way that the UK and Europe loves doing. I always felt as mm-hmm. if our type of advertising differed more from other places in the world, I felt, in the sense that it was always about that more kind of cool, understated factor of kind of trying to correlate something. So one of the, the ads that has kind of came back into fruition because of a remaster in the series for Klonoa was the magazine ad where it was like, baby, do you have Klonoa? Yeah, going, yeah. I have Klonoa. And like, there's loads Which of... Which is a horrible and... ad, but I also love it. It, <laughs> yeah. it just makes... It has nothing to do with the game. You know, if you've ever seen Klonoa in your life, you would never associate <laughs> yeah. with that imagery. Uh, but, yeah. but that is the point, isn't it? For yeah, some yeah. reason, with UK ads, it was always about, this is aimed at children, but let's make it cool for adults by having these little weird jokes and stuff. Um, yeah. Sega UK were fucking obsessed they were, with They it. were insane. Like, honestly, <laughs> like, the 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 um, British Sega ads were, like, they will make you hurl. Because they're just, yeah. they honestly, they look like bad, like, Mad Magazine comics or, like, just, just awful, awful stuff. Yeah. And, yeah, and they were all at it. Like, Sega yeah. were a bit more edgy, of course, but even Nintendo, like, there's the... The Game Boy, oh, the, one of the it might be the Game Boy Advance SP, and it's like it's a oh, guy on the just toilet. Gen, gen, yeah, the, there's that yeah. one on the toilet as well. Oh, okay, yeah, okay, but yeah. there's there's also an ad in the same series where it's a guy tied up to the bed by his wife who has like a whip in oh, her hands. Right, 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 yeah. And I think it's the Tribal SP or something like that. It's like release your inner wild side or something like that. Yeah. Um, and then there's the famous ad that like, Miyamoto apparently got really pissed off about where they had put a tribal tattoo on Mario's like shoulder or something. Oh god, and, I remember that, yeah. Um, for some reason UK advertising was always just insane, so yeah, the series that burn out where it's so easy to, to make these type of edgy ads, it was always a bit of a recipe for disaster. Yeah, it is a very weird looking ad because it, it looks like it was put together in like five minutes and just... If you put any other phrase, there there's so many other other taglines you could put there that probably wouldn't cause alarm, but inner peace through outer violence is um, yeah. <laughs> it's hard it's, it's hard to defend. Yeah, and I think as well, like if like just to, to get a rough idea, if you ever wanted to have a look, but what I was going to say was it really reminds me of uh, the no seatbelt ad campaigns that were running in the UK right up to like the 2010s. Where basically, we got some really fucking batshit insane road safety ads when it came to wearing seatbelts, when it came to protecting yourself, PSAs, that sort of thing. And like this, to me, is directly trying to reference that type of material as well, which I find a bit odd. So, I mean, we had plenty of fucking ads that showed people genuinely getting killed. Um, One of the most batshit insane ones was one that aired in Ireland, where it was about a drunk driver that like careened over a hedge and fucking like the car rolled over a family and shit. Like, there's... There's some really insane car safety stuff that goes on over here, and this directly correlates to that for me, mm. and I can see why people would complain. 
Yeah, they they used to do. Um, I think especially like the New York Department of Health used to do a lot of ads to try and get people to quit smoking, and it would always be. I don't know if they're still doing them, but for a very long time, it would always be people who like had um, was it like the trach hole in their throat or whatever, and yeah. talking, and you would see that, and it was trying to dissuade you from doing something with like the most like poignant imagery possible yeah. um you know which brings us back to thrill drive so yeah the, <laughs> the last one i want to reference was like a, a very targeted campaign towards school children where basically in every school pretty much you would have like all the photos of everybody in the year so like as primaries mm -hmm. we would say so the primary one through seven is like the lower school years and then there was like a poster that schools were putting up beside all these people and it was like a photo of a a kid in like kind of the school uniform and the t t typical type of frame that you would buy school photos in and underneath the person it would say like don't remember this kid and it was like nailed at his school when he died in a car crash or something like that and it was oh like I, I always pure avidly remember it because it was genuinely like what the fuck man like why was that even allowed but <laughs> they had like they had that poster campaign in schools and then they actually had a specific ad that they ran on TV that showed what happened to this fictional child in your school type thing oh, and it, honestly man they were absolutely on one with this stuff and that's why I think like if that wasn't such a prominent thread in UK advertising for road safety and stuff this type of thing might have flown but I can see why it kind of triggered a bit of ire yeah um, th this just uh, not to get carried away with ads but like all of this reminded me I remember seeing this ad for MSR on the Dreamcast when I was a kid and my brother had the Dreamcast official magazine and I didn't get it because I was like seven, so I wouldn't. <laughs> but it's got like, um, it's got tire marks. Uh, it's got two different sets of tire marks by like a corner in what looks like San Francisco. And um, there's like tire marks associated with driver a and there are tire marks that are like all over the place and doing like circles it looks like he crashed with driver b and uh driver a it says you know their their tire marks are neat and tidy and they went through the corner uh well and they say it says uh greets colleagues with a firm hand self-confident handshake david cheerleaders in high school has lipstick on underwear smokes after sex meanwhile driver b who isn't as good at driving uh Offers a limp and clammy handshake that screams of self-doubt, wasn't allowed to date in high school, has superheroes on underwear, and apologizes after sex. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it, it seems like it was mostly a thing in the UK, but, like, this kind of advertising was still sort of, like, on the mind in, like, the early 2000s, it seems like, uh, mid-2000s, all over the world. Uh, and it's just so weird. And, and I feel like, especially, like, not to go off on the Sega Dreamcast tangent, whatever. It's like I feel like when when companies are desperate, they're like, we gotta throw everything at the wall because if we don't, we're yeah. going bankrupt. And <laughs> it's almost what I see coming out of MSR. That man, you could probably do a full episode on these crazy fucking ads and commercials, or maybe a live stream or something just to go yeah. through them because oh man, some of them are crazy. Um, <laughs> Surprisingly, I think Gran Turismo managed to stay relatively safe, which is a surprise given that yeah. PlayStation loved a bit of edgy advertising, but um, I guess if a series oozes class uh, compared to the way Burnout oozes danger, then it's 
it sort of makes sense. But I do find it pretty funny that we've spent a good bit talking about like driver safety ads and all that type of thing to cap off an episode about burnout. Yeah, burnout. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you know, there's a lot of crossover and uh, this was good. This this went in a direction that like, I love these, I love the, the sort of garbage time portions of the episode where it's like, I don't know what the fuck we're going to get up to. But it's, <laughs> yeah. usually, it's usually interesting. Yeah. Always manage to bring something something new to the table. Um, but yeah, this was a nice discussion. And I'm not ruling out ever talking about like, you know, three and revenge and yeah. paradise, but like to find the way to do it that isn't just like, this is the best game ever. This <laughs> one's slightly worse, you know? So. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. These games have been discussed to death in the later phases. And like, like you're saying, there's only so much you can say in terms of superlatives. Um, whereas for these games that we've talked about today, including like the BS version of, of Legends and stuff, it's it's more of a case of looking at the outer reaches, and I think bringing up Dominator was a really cool thing, purely because a lot of people would have missed that for the same reasons I did, in terms of just maybe expecting a... It's not even a spin-off experience, really, just a, a kind of standard burnout experience before uh, Paradise came out, but um, yeah, I think that for me... Kind of closing comments for the burnout series i think every entry probably has a a reason to play it um even if those early games it's not so much that they are fantastic hidden gems or anything like that but you, you really get to see the foundations of how a series goes because from the first game to two to three is like an incredible trajectory of realization for what the concept is and how criterion get there um and then Legends, it's interesting, I guess it's not particularly special, but I think that seeing what was capable on the PSP when it first came out is interesting. Um, and then from the, the DS point of view, it's more of a case of what could have been maybe perhaps with a bit more effort. Mm. Yeah, Burnout as a series for me, still absolutely one of my favourites around. Um, I never really buy into this mode of thinking that, like, I think over time people have started to sever towards Paradise, but I still fucking love Paradise. No, like, Paradise is great. I mean, they, yeah. you know, with that game, they, from what, from the from the research that I did about the other games, Paradise, you know, I still came across it, and, like, they were really not sure how they were going to bring that game into an open world, and it was something that there was an ambition to do, but it was also just, like, how the fuck are we going to make this work? <laughs> And they yeah. pulled it off, and they pulled it off in like a lot of really cool little ways that like I feel like sort of get missed. But um, that will send us down down a whole nother tangent. <laughs> um, but yeah, Burnout overall, like I think about the series a lot, like how I think about PGR, and that like there's never been a bad Burnout game. Like I'm not gonna hold the DS one against them because they because you know they didn't really make it yeah. or have much to do with it, but. Um, yeah, there's never been a bad Burnout game. It's always been kind of an upward trajectory for a series. And even if, like, okay, you like 3, but you didn't like Revenge as much, or, you know, you like uh, you like uh, 3 and Paradise was good, but, you know, you wanted a more linear experience, like, I could totally see how any of those three games are someone's favorite, you know? And that, I think, is the mark of a good series when you get to that point where it's, like, it's maybe not so much continuous innovation but it's con it's continually bringing something that is at that consistent level of quality that's maybe a little bit different um but each one has its fans and uh burnout is is a poster child for that so 
You know, we haven't gotten a new one in a very, very long time, but a lot of the series, uh, you wish for that and then it doesn't turn out well. So <laughs> I, you know, I, I think burnout will come back one day. Uh, and when it does, I don't think that they're going to let it be bad because they've never done that with this series. I think that's probably my shot in the dark to say in this episode about the potential return of burnout. I think it's actually a bit closer than we think. Hmm. Um, we know nothing. Yeah, I'll be absolutely (laughs) clear, okay? I'm not hinting towards anything or anything like that or we've heard through the grapevine or anything like that, but I just have a gut feeling that Burnout isn't as far away as we think. And For me, it was when Paradise Remastered got released. It was so strange because it could have been released any number of points before Mm. when it did. Um, And I don't know if it's like, do you bring back Burnout 3? Do you, you like, do you make a new game? I, I just... From my perspective, I can see, and once again, know absolutely nothing, just <laughs> making it very yeah. clear. I think that EA will be more geared towards bringing back free as opposed to making a new game because I feel as if, if Paradise are ticking off that box of what Burnout was when it disappeared, and I think by bringing out free again and allowing a new generation of gamers to play that on the likes of the Switch, the PS5, that sort of thing. Um, they'll really be in a position where they can evaluate what that means going forward, even if that means Criterion's Need for Speed once again. Um, where where they take that series, perhaps they have a more concentrated effort at it instead of what happened with Most Wanted, where they, they kind of just take, took Paradise and, and retrofitted it into a Need for Speed experience in a worse way. Um, I don't know if I'm just blathering nonsense, but for me, I just, I feel, I don't think Burnout is as far away as we think it is. I'm not sure why. I've just got a feeling that we're going to see some of it at some point. They still consider it one of their pillars of of racing series. If you look at their earnings report, I think the first one, like right after the Codemasters acquisition was like completely ratified and everything. They're like, we have, uh, we have Dirt, we have um, F1, we have Grid. And then on the EA, that was the Codemaster side, and on the EA side, we have uh, Need for Speed and Burnout, and they consider remastered, you know, the last release in that series. Yeah. And yeah, I don't think it's ever gone. I th- think the issue that always is is like how this Criterion split its time, and yeah, you know, that studio has gone through so much over the last decade and change. A lot of people went to Ghost. A lot of people came back from Ghost. Like, yeah. you know could it grow to a point where it could support two games they have a lot of talent with Codemasters it's right there and very good at what they do could they help you know there's there's a way there's a way for them to do with I'm sure if they really want to it's just that like yeah you know EA is EA is EA they're very risk averse and uh it's funny because Burnout has I think really the most goodwill out of any of their racing games and maybe like top three of like EA franchises total because they haven't yeah. they haven't had an opportunity to fuck it up in the last 20 years or last I've got a feeling years. you're you're so. kind of alluding to the, the skate news that broke today perhaps yeah about yeah what yeah. that's gonna be and maybe yeah. if you think about a new burnout experience and try and tie in the principles they're trying to put on that series do you get a burnout battle royale easy asset flip with paradise city no I mean like free yeah. to play an experience like paradise could be a service i mean do you want yeah. that you know which is why like if they just re-release three <laughs> remastered i'd be like that's that's fine oh. I'll keep with that. <laughs> it, it'd be absolutely perfect and 
I think what the kind of skate news proves is that you should be careful what you wish for, I suppose. Um, yeah. I, like you're saying, like, can Criterion really dedicate the time and resources to a proper new burnout game? Maybe not, but like free takedown remastered can absolutely happen. And yeah. that's why, from my perspective at the moment, that's where I'm leaning. I genuinely believe that that is something that can happen and will happen at some point. But, like I say, total shot in the dark. There, there's no basis for this whatsoever. I yeah. just have a strange feeling that <laughs> free will return, so we'll see. <laughs> it's easy when the game is sitting there. You know, there's not anything yeah. that they have to rethink in terms of how can we make money off of this or whatever. It's like, you know, if the 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 people who are, like, fanatics about this series want it, they will pay maybe yeah. $40, maybe even more, because it's EA, to get it, and they know that, so, you know. Yeah, they did nothing for Remastered, pretty much, but, yeah, I mean, everybody still bought it in droves, I think, <laughs> it sold really well, and the Switch version is fantastic, just, yeah. like, it's, such, it's so crazy playing that type of game on a handheld, as silly as that sounds, but, um, yeah, there's still room for Burnout, like you were saying, if EA are still referencing it, they understand that. Um, I think with the Codemasters acquisition, it's about finding the right place for the right time for the right franchises just now for them on the racing game front. And to cut EA some slack uh, for one of the few things you can do, I don't really envy the situation they're in having to look at all these racing game franchises and understand where they sit in the entire yeah. ecosystem now because the racing genre is so dominated by such few names now it's very hard for them to, to justify every single series and to give every single series the time of day. I just hope that they, they make the right decisions and they, they keep the right things around because Burnout is definitely a series that has a place out there and that it doesn't need to be reinvented for the love of God. Like It's, it's, a, yeah. it's a series that's still relevant. I mean, to that end, have you uh, have you ever played Dangerous Driving? Because I haven't. I really This no. made me really want to give it a go. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I feel like I feel like that would make sense now to give it a go. I've never actually played it, and um, I felt for I felt for the guys uh, when they made that because everybody went into the mindset of this should be like a burnout level experience right off the bat. Like mm. it's it's unrealistic to think that's even possible because racing <laughs> games are not the cheapest to make, and um, yeah, I've not actually played it myself. Were they making a second game that was going to be open world, if I recall as well? Yeah, there's some. I don't know if it's open Did it world. Come out, but I think or? there's like a two. I think they're working on the next chapter in that series. But it's funny how like you know, it has takedowns and they call them takedowns. There's nothing stopping them from <laughs> using that uh, terminology. And uh, yeah, so things things to look forward to in the future. But uh, that, that just about wraps it up for us. And uh, this has been really fun. So. Oh, thank you, Brendan. This has been great. Thank you, Adam. <laughs> and thanks to everyone else for listening. Um, yep. I absolutely loved the Sega GT episode. If anybody oh. listening has not listened to that one, it's worth listening to. And I can say that because I'm not even on it. So I enjoyed it yeah. as a, a listener and fan of Time Extend. It was fantastic. Um, <laughs> <Long> <laughs> was Thunder, fantastic Thunder brought so much good stuff to that one. Yeah. So uh, loved having him on. But. Yeah, absolutely. I think we, we've been talking in the background as well about how much guests can add to the show and what we want to bring to that. And having a guy who just had so much knowledge and information and, and insight about a game like that was, was fantastic. And 
he won't be the only one, put it that way. <laughs> we, we know that there are many different games that many people we're aware of in the community, the development space can really talk towards and we give them those soapboxes to, to prod them and see why they, they like those things so much. The nice thing about this genre is it is still weirdly small enough where the people who are the foremost experts on these games, you know, people who dig into the uh, you know, dig into the code and stuff like Zen, for example, who did a lot for Sega GT 2002, like they are accessible. They want to talk. Yeah. They love, they're just like regular people who know everything and they want to talk about this stuff. And that is, that's great. It's not like it's hard to get a hold of anybody. And even people in the development side, I mean, you know, we talked to Rushy, uh, yeah. you know, we've had Paul on a number of times, like, you know, uh, these guys love uh, everybody. They, they, they love games you know they want to see stuff like ridge racer come back as much as we do um <laughs> yeah. everybody's just still sort of motivated by the same thing and is uh super chill to talk to so we've been we've been fortunate in that way but it's fortunate for everybody who makes content in this space that you can have people like that on uh yeah yeah exactly yeah. and i think like uh, racing madness mark ii really illustrated as well <laughs> how everyone can come together for the right fight in this case, right. <laughs> in the case just passed it was the Suzuki Escudo and it was really cool just seeing like, it was almost like a fucking Avengers Infinity War type thing of like, all of these influencers in the racing game space coming together to, to, to draw battle and you do on one side, yeah. Black Panther on the other, you, <laughs> we had different hero, rhino guys like that, it was, it was exciting. I have, you know, I have my my personal. Of course, I wanted to see like the Basante or the Hornet win it or whatever. <laughs> Definitely the Hornet because it made it to the end. But like, yeah. um, I don't mind when like you know Time Extend gets co opted by the biggest racing game influencers in the world. <laughs> just like use that, <laughs> like like they're just they're they're in our ring for some reason, but they're just like throwing their uh, throwing their fans at each other. Like it's uh, it's fun to watch from the outside. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Especially because, with the memes that you put out. I <laughs> <laughs> oh, mean, prime, prime meme territory whenever we do those racing madness things, but it's, um, yeah, that's fantastic. I just wanted to shout out the Escudo for, for winning it. She's a beauty. She did, of course, get put into GT7 by our request after yes, running. Kaz exactly. made the request right away next day. He was like, no worries, guys, got that covered. That's exactly how it went down. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, so congratulations to the Escudo on not only winning racing madness, but coming back in GT as a result. <laughs> Yeah, I've seen people um, say like, "They did they know? They didn't know? It's, no, no, we didn't know anything. Nobody. I think I am pretty sure there are people in Polyphony who don't know anything, and they work for the company. Like it's just like they're so locked yeah. down. Um, it was yeah. pretty. But funny. that said, if Kaz wants to change that relationship, you know we're right here. So <laughs> get him on, get him on him and Dan Greenwald. Same episode. Just shoot the shit. See the chaos that happens. <laughs> uh, but yeah this has been a lot of fun so thanks everyone for listening and uh yeah you'll hear from us again soon thanks very much for listening guys